Hey guys, uh, thank you for having us. Uh, it's, it's always an honor to share our story with new people. Um, so we appreciate this platform. Um, hopefully you can hear me, my dad. I live with my dad. And he has some people doing work around the house. So I apologize. But our story began in 2010 um, with Brett. Uh, he graduated from Florida State University um, in 2000. Since 2005, um, Brett was a college boy in a fraternity. He drank a lot of beer, and um, and um, and he wanted to get um back in shape. So after he graduated, um, I went to college at Kennesaw State University here in the Atlanta area about 20 minutes north of Atlanta. Um, and so Blake had started really getting into running and started with um, 5Ks that built its way up to the Peace Free Road Race uh, here in Atlanta, the largest 10K. Um, and he built its way up to an Ironman. Uh, his first Ironman was in 2010 at Louisville, in Louisville, um, and that's where he invited the whole family up to watch him. And really, um, it's hard to be a spectator um, in, in any race, and I would rather be on the opposite side of the ropes instead of being the spectator. Um, but, you know, being the spectator, um, I would get enthralled by not only what Brett was doing that day, but all the other athletes. Um, and it really resonated with me. It was my life um, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell. Um, what you do for yourself, you do for me. So whether that's going to the bathroom or, or eating or whatever it is, you do that for me. So I have a care team of uh, 15 lovely individuals. Um, who take care of me. And so one of my aides, they go up to Louisville with me. And um, I really, I thought about it for a long time um, during that day. Um, it was very hot. Um, it was in the 90s. Um, and at the time that time, that race was in August. So um, very hot down in the south. Um, but I would get really enthralled in I was like, that's my life. Um, because I go through so many ups and downs and because of my cerebral poverty and I am, um, I have to have help. But what I saw that day was people really grinding to get to the finish line. People pushing themselves to no more limits. And that's what I do every day. And it just, it resonated with me. So after Brett finished his day, um, 12 hours and 42 minutes and 24 seconds. And my last question was, can people with wheelchairs do Ironman? And, uh, and that's how the whole journey uh, really got started. 
um, immediately after Brett said yes to that question that changed our lives. Uh, we call that the Hoyts, um, to see, to hear from the experts who really paved the way for them and uh, I mean, for people like me and Brett and so many others um, to compete at the highest level. So um, that's, that's how our story got started. We could get into the foundation in a couple minutes, but uh, the foundation. That's, that's fantastic. Um, what, what year was the first Ironman that you did together? Uh, it, we did our first, and I apologize to everybody. Um, well, actually, I don't to this group because uh, so many of you are just getting <laughs> Um, Brett, just I, change, just change the angle. Just bring the phone up this way. There we go. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm on the trainer. We Kyle and I have a marathon and, uh, I like to use long bike rides to get ready for it. Uh, in addition to all the pounding on my legs. So, um, it, so we did our first triathlon in 2011, which was the St. Anthony's triathlon in St. Petersburg. And when we finished that, Kyle said, I mean, we were doing that to get ready for an Ironman. But what happened, and it's, it's kind of important as we get to that first Ironman, as Kyle said after the race, almost instantly, is I want other people to experience this. And that was the birth of the foundation right there. And over the next two years, we got the foundation started, but we continued to build. And so 2013, we did our first Ironman in Madison, Wisconsin, which, uh, Jordan, you saw our bike, and you can imagine what those hills in Madison were like with 400 pounds of human and steel trying to get over those three sisters. Um, and that was the race we did with Christian Jensen um, with my team Triumph out there in Green Bay. So that was our first Ironman um, and just really an, an incredible experience that was kind of going along as the foundation was really just starting to grow. Yeah. Can, can you talk about for how do you get past the initial weight and inertia of making big change. So how yeah. did you go from where you guys started nothing together to now where the engine's humming? You guys, the team is together, you together, but also um, inspiring others. Like for, for cause I think a lot of people um, are trying to figure out how, how do I start? Where yeah. do I start? Well, you know, I think for us, it was just that, I mean, we were young and Kyle had an idea and it was a good idea. Um, and so we just wanted to start it. We actually felt like if you build it, they will come. And what we didn't realize was how long it took to build. You know, so the first nine to 12 months was a real struggle for us. We didn't find any families. We had raised some money and we were having a real hard time finding people that wanted to compete alongside us. And so that was, you know, that was a challenge um, to get going. And, and really what we decided was we just have to get moving. We have to put ourselves out there in front of everybody. And that's exactly what we did. So our original marketing plan was we have to race every single month because we have a small nonprofit. You know, people aren't going to find us on the website. They're not going to find us with a very small social media presence, which at the time was just Facebook, um, you know, Instagram and Twitter and other channels weren't what they are. And so we just started running. And actually the first race we did, we met a mom who had a, a child with a traumatic brain injury and she came up to us and said, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And that really got it moving. And that kind of opened our eyes of, we need to be in the community. We need to be out there getting it out, you know? So probably more, more akin to, 
you know, a pop-up shop of just trying to drive your food truck down the street and let people see it. And, and that was kind of how we started doing it. And then, you know, we got some really good board members. In fact, uh, a guy who was with Credit Suisse at the time, who's now with Work Capital, um, that really kind of taught Kyle and I how to build the business and got his network behind the mission. Um, and that, you know, that really got everything yeah. rolling for us. Um, I, I think my, one of the key takeaways there is like, you don't have to see every step of how something is going to be built in order to start. And it just has to have that initial idea and just start. And yeah. if you have the right purpose behind it, people will come and it's about showing and being a role model to the, to the community. Um, but maybe we can kind of fast forward a couple of years. So 2013 was your first Ironman together. I would love to hear about the 2015 New York marathon <laughs> and uh, what, was supposed to be a three hour and 30 minute marathon. Uh, but if you could expand on that story a little bit. So, so every, just about every major us road race has a longstanding rule that you have to finish under your own power. And so that was really set up for the moms or dads that call and say, I'm going to push my stroller, my child in the New York city marathon. And so they said, no, you've got to be able to self-propel. Well, as the Hoyts came along as people like my team triumph and Kyle and others came along, it negatively impacted them. And so Kyle and I had been lobbying to get into the Peachtree Road Race, the New York Marathon. Um, Boston did have a, a small window, but so New York opened up a lottery. And Kyle and I got in with five total teams from around the globe. And, you know, so we went up there. And at the time, the foundation had started to grow to a point where Kyle and I were just a little nervous about doing things for ourselves. We felt like we had, we really needed to make sure that we were always serving others. And we said, well, no, we worked hard for this. We should, you know, we should go take this opportunity. And so we went, but we didn't take any support. We just, the two of us went by ourselves. We didn't bring a caregiver. So I was doing all the transfers and bathrooms and showers. And um, we got out there on the race and about mile eight, the wheel started wobbling. And Kyle was asking if everything was okay. And I said, of course. And by 13, it was wobbling so bad that I stopped and I looked behind the wheel covers and there was three broken spokes and we have no idea what happened. If it was on the plane, if it was potholes, you know, it, it doesn't matter because the next step we took, the wheel crumbled under our, under Kyle's weight. Um, and so we spent 90 minutes at an aid station at a medical station and they actually came over to us. They were telling us how to drop out of the race. I had been in the back of a police car going over to a bike shop you know, all sorts of crazy stuff for, for 90 minutes. We did everything we could to stay in the race. And at that point I said, just let us try. And we, so we tied uh, some rope to the axle and put blankets under the rope for my shoulder. And then Kyle and I tried to finish the marathon that way. And this would be a great point with this highly motivated group here to tell you how I, I muscled my way through 13 miles with a rope digging into my shoulder, but uh, we made it about, a quarter mile before we realized we couldn't turn the wheelchair. And so a woman stopped and helped me start turning the chair. Um, and that lasted for about three miles. And at this point we were doing 20 to 25 minute miles, you know, from a 740 to 750 minute pace per mile. And at around mile 16, a, uh, a New Yorker kind of tried to muscle her out of the way. And we said, no, 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 she's, she's our friend now, but you can help. And so then the three of us carried Kyle's wheelchair for the last 10 miles and some change. And so, it, as you said, it was, it was supposed to, it was looking like a three and a half hour ordeal, you know, 
the first inclusionary group in the New York City Marathon ever. And instead, Kyle and I finished in seven and a half hours. Um, and, and with this group, I think you all, you, you all might appreciate what happened next is I finally pulled out my phone and saw hundreds of messages from people. And I called my wife and I couldn't talk. I was, you know, the tears were starting to flow because I was able to see on my phone what had really happened is that people were glued to their phones all day. People were watching us move along the tracker inch by inch, but Kyle couldn't see that. What Kyle had seen was once he, he didn't see me for 90 minutes. All he saw is that once we started carrying that wheelchair, I tried to quit a thousand times. And at one point I even pulled him to the side of the road while we had the three strangers. And I said, this is not us. I'm not doing this. I'm done. And he looked at me and he said, well, you can quit, but I'm going to keep going. And so when we finally got in the cab, I tried to show him my phone. And that's when the argument started. And the two of us, the poor cabbie, we've got this mangled wheelchair. And then I've, you know, tossed my brother in the back of the cab, screaming at him. And he's screaming at me. And we get back to the hotel and I just kind of look at Kyle and I was like, well, who's going to put you to bed? You know, and you talk about a, a, a wonderful way to end an argument is, you know, the intimacy of having to help somebody else. And so I got Kyle ready for bed and we didn't, we didn't say a word to each other until the next morning. And that was when it was starting to hit Kyle that, you know, we didn't give up and that it was just like his life that every step along the way, Kyle could have accepted his reality and been okay with it. And people would have helped him and, and served him. But instead, he wanted to finish marathons and Ironmans and to bring other people along with it through the Kyle Peace Foundation. And, you know, that was the beauty of the New York Marathon. It, it was at that perfect juncture, you know, where we were starting to raise real money. We were starting to serve people in real numbers. Um, so it's a it's a story that uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up because it's a it has a special place in, in the history of 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 what we've been doing and what the foundation's been doing. That's amazing. How let's learn what does being an athlete mean to you and what is it like when you are on the course for, you know, over 10 hours? Uh, yeah, you know, um, being an athlete um, is amazing. It's something that I've always dreamed of. Um, I'm a big sports fan. I'm a hometown guy here in Atlanta. Um, so we have uh, had our highs and our definite lows, uh, but to get to do it with Brett is, is amazing and it's so sweet and it's something that I don't take for granted at all because it could be taken away at any moment. But to to feel the energy of the crowd and and to know that you know even though I'm not doing the physical activity. Um, the mental space that it takes me not only to carry myself, but to carry another human being and to stay positive for 15 hours. It, it can be mind-numbing. Um, but I do it because I love it. And I get to do it with somebody that I care a lot about. And I, and I, I enjoy the journey. How do you stay positive for 15 hours? I mean, and what, and for example, like, are there any practical things like, oh, I, I am recognizing a really bad negative thought here. All right, shut that out. Or like, how do you guys go through that mental journey together for 15 plus hours? Well, I want to just add one thing and I'll let Kyle answer because he's the one that really 
as he said, he's the one that has to, he has to carry the team, you know? And, but what I always think about is, you know, picture yourself tossing and turning in the middle of the night. You can't sleep. Those thoughts are running through your head. They're positive or negative. There's something. And you get up and you grab your phone and you grab a snack or you walk around and you calm yourself down. Imagine being Kyle and just having to wait and just having to let those thoughts run over you. And to me, I always picture that when we're racing that I, I know he struggles and I know that he's not always able to, to think the most positive things, but he's able to let all that stuff pass over him. And then he can turn to me and, and say the right words or encourage himself and me in the right way. So I, I just wanted to throw that in there, Kyle, if you, if you don't mind, before you talk about what a, what a bleeping rock star you are on the, on the race course. Uh, yeah, they put it. Um, well, you're, you're equally a rock star. But, um, you know, I can, I, I can get a good gauge of how the race is going to go. Um, and, of course, we all know, particularly in this group, that when you're on the court, you're going to have those negative thoughts. And um, I'm just very fortunate, and I can tell when our energy is big a little bit. Um, and that's when I really um, come you know, come out and, and start encouraging Brad or whoever is pushing me with the validation. Uh, and that, you know, that's when I know I have to be on bed because my brother needs me and I need him. So it's important that um, I get a sense of what he's feeling, even though I don't fully understand uh, what he's feeling uh, from a physical standpoint. Um, my my goal is to get us to the finish. And how do we do that? You know, you're going to have to go through your ups and downs and, and focus on the, on the positives. So let's um, let's take a, 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 a shift gears a little bit. How much does it actually cost for an athlete to, to be on the course and support? We were really fortunate during COVID that we got into a, uh, a free consulting project with Bain Consulting, um, and they really helped us zero that in. At, at the time, what we were really thinking about was, you know, how do we move beyond the finish? How do we take athletes beyond just that first finish line, that Ironman, that marathon, whatever that, that accomplishment is? Um, in fact, we've got three people with disabilities, including Kyle, that work for the foundation. But what they really helped us think about, you know, in the next five years is you guys are really good at serving people through athletics. So, like, so get yourself to a place where you're serving 150 families, you know, annually. Right now we serve around 80 to 100 families annually and get to a place where the foundation can raise uh, 1.5, you know, million annually. Um, we've got a million dollar budget currently. Um, and they felt like at that point you have the critical mass that you can truly start to move beyond the finish. So we thought a lot about it. I think if, if you had asked us that question two years ago, we would have started, we would have really talked a lot about that. You know, where we are now is let's get to that place where we have, where we found more people that we can support and then moving in the next five years, start to truly figure out what the impact can be because, 
we're seeing now for somebody like Kyle or Justin or Kevin, the, the athletes that work for us, that sports was for them what it is, what it was for us as kids, because they're now included in a way that they weren't at a younger age. Kyle, we were talking about the New York City Marathon. We're not talking about it in terms of him being a wheelchair athlete. We're just talking about 26.2 miles. So it, it, we've, we've thought a lot about it. And um, it was actually comforting for me to say, hey, just get better at what you're doing. Before you start moving, it was starting to feel overwhelming as to how to how to do that. But we do still have eyes on, you know, really creating an impact and change for these families that we serve and not just in the athletic realm. Is there a challenge of like, if you guys, I, I, I don't know, but do you have like a publicly announced challenge? Like we want to get 500 athletes by 2025 or something like that between these, this organization. Is there a, a goal that people can aim at? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, um, thank you for your quick. Yeah, I think it's always an ongoing process. Um, and and, I, and I, I don't mean that to be like, to be cliche, but like the goal is to get more athletes, right? So it's 150 athletes possible for us this year, absolutely. Realistically, I think 105, 110 will be ideal for us um, because me and Brett are still heavily involved in the recruiting process. Right? Me, like we, we are growing to Brett's point, but we are still very small. And so me and Brett have to do the day-to-day thing with the foundation. So that's recruiting. That's asking for donations and all that. So, you know, it's a it's an ongoing process. And without our athletes, you know, and with my deep drive as well, I'm sure that you have experienced this. Without our athletes, we cannot fulfill our mission. So yeah. we need we need athletes to be sustainable. So yeah. what what we have done this year, uh, because I'm over the athlete recruitment is I'm I'm doing a lot of cold calls to schools and you know I'm just going into all the um city schools district and telling them hey this is what we do um so hopefully you know we get a couple of athletes that way but I I I believe that we have to be creative and and getting our athletes because look not a lot of people want to do this, right? Like for the first timers, I'm sure, you know, when I got in the boat the first time, my mom and dad freaked out. And so, you know, <laughs> when, you, when you have a disabled individual and you put them in a 5K or a 10K, it can be a real daunting for yeah. the parents or the loved one. So, that's another thing that we have to combat is how do we make the families comfortable? And how do we how do we let them be comfortable so that they can be the soccer mom and they can be the soccer dad and they can pass out the complete son and the orange slices, you know. So there, there's a lot going on, but the goal is to, you know, get our numbers up for sure. Kyle, let's maybe talk into the um, specifics around like uh, 
like one athlete, like kind of supporting them. Cause Jing and I, like with our, with our family of a two-year-old and a five-year-old, we're doing five Ks with the family. Like we should find some way to raise money for some cause. Yeah. So I'll give you the fun numbers first. So a first time Ironman triathlete, uh, if we have zero equipment, it's going to cost us fifteen to $20,000 to get them through that first Ironman to get all the custom equipment. So the bikes cost anywhere from twelve to 15000 that we use. There's cheaper ways to do that, quite frankly, but we've always viewed it as Kyle's the athlete. That's who we're trying to serve. So if you look at pictures on our website and our social media, the bikes that we utilize, the athlete sits up front. And so that was a big goal for us. The wheelchairs cost anywhere from you know, 3000 to six, $7,000 now um, for the customized race chairs. So like what you saw at Ironman Florida, that's about a $4,000 piece of equipment. Um, and then there's a couple of cheap options that are out there that we do use for first timers. Those are 800 to $1,200 a piece. Um, but the found, our foundation is unique in that we, we cover all the expenses. So we um, maintain uh, almost 50 wheelchairs in our warehouse. Uh, we share space with the bike shop, actually, um, who builds our bikes, but he also services all the chairs as they come in to help keep them up and running. So that, you know, that's what it typically would cost us to put that part on. You know, racing, it costs us, you know, for an athlete to race with us all year, it costs around $1,000 um, when you add up all the 5Ks and 10Ks and everything that we do. And, and we've got about a dozen families that do not miss any of our events. Um, you know, they're, they're like you and your, your family that every weekend we're going to find a 5k, we're going to go out and do it. It's our activity. And for this family, that's T-ball, that's, you know, soccer, that's what they're doing on Saturday because their child or young adult is included in all of that. So the costs are, are pretty broad, but you know, chairs are a really easy thing. Plus you can put a nice 51 labs logo on anything. <laughs> Try 51, 51 labs. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. do, do you have... Joe, that I don't mean to interrupt, and I'm sorry. I get, you know, another thing that Brent and I really always talk about is time, talent, and character, right? So, yes, we love money. Uh, we are a nonprofit, and money is great, and donations are great. But, you know, I've looked at your Instagram. You and your wife are extremely active with your kids, so kudos to both of you. And I would encourage you to, you know, sign up on our website to be a pusher so that, you know, you can show your children that not everybody can run, but everybody can enjoy a race, you know. So, you know, that's, uh, that's you know, providing your race. And then um, just how it, just be there. You know, you don't have to be a runner to help out. You know, you can give me a banana and, a, you know, a water bottle, you know, that's a big help in itself. So, you know, yeah. there's, there's many ways that you could get involved. Kyle, I, I, um, uh, I accept, we, ex on behalf of the Selleck family, we accept that invitation to participate. <laughs> so we will do that. As, as, I mean, we're in Alpharetta, so we're also very close to you guys. Um, I, I know when you're doing the Peachtree Marathon that weekend, we're going to be in Fort Lauderdale doing the marathon down there. But like, lit, we will commit to 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 coming out and, and supporting on a race at minimum. May, I have a question around just more <clears throat> like one observation here is that I, I think what you both do really highlights something about sports is that it is 
your the physical part of sport is just one component. But I think your story is such an incredible highlight to the fact that the mental part of what you are doing in sport in general is equally, if not more important. And I think that's a great reminder uh, to us all as we're all kind of doing not just our fitness journeys, but our journeys in life. And I'm curious, maybe this is more of a broad philosophical question, which is through all of what you guys have experienced together, you know, starting back with the, the first Ironman in 2013, what is, what have you kind of discovered life is all about? Um, you know, for me, it's, it's just always about the journey and the journey can constantly shift. You know, when we were kids, it was different. It was just for my parents figuring out how to raise a child with a disability. It was just doing those things together. And for, for us now, each little thing that we do has its own meaning in it. And it, it just constantly shifts, you know, and right now what I took from Florida last year with Kyle is that it's just all about connection. You know, I've got two young kids now. The foundation is, you know, busy as it's ever been. And so those moments that Kyle and I share together are not what they once were in 2013 when we did everything together. And so when we have those moments, it's about, you know, being connected and sharing it. So, you know, for us, it's just, it's the ebbs and flows that Kyle talked about that he, the swings he has in his life living with a disability that we're still swinging on them. And so each time you, you know, fall down or each time you rise up, there's, there's different things to learn along the way. So the, the journey has always been such a big part for me. How, what have you learned through all these endurance events together on kind of what, you know, what this, what this, what this is all about in life? I that you have to keep moving and that the only person that is stopping you is you. And once you remove yourself, then it's God doing it. But you have to keep attacking, keep pushing, keep striving, because you never know the impact that you're going to have on somebody. Guys, I think this might be a good place to, to stop. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time for this. And... You know, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible to see just the impact your story has. And, you know, specifically when I was out on the Ironman Florida course and seeing you guys on the bike and see you guys on the run, like that got me through that next mile <laughs> that got me through that next hour. And so, uh, I really appreciate just the, the example that you're setting, uh, what I experienced and just for everyone on this call and everyone who's going to hear the story. And I can't wait to raise $3,800 for Cecil and, and hoping, uh, you know, to be part of this in a, in a greater capacity. Hey, awesome. Thank you. Thank you.